Hey friends, welcome to Forging the Path. This is a podcast that's all about helping men become the men that God created us to be. And my name is Adam. Today, we're going to talk about Amos. That's right, Amos. Amos is a, a prophet. It's a book in the Old Testament. Amos was actually a guy, though. It's not just a title of a book. It's his name. Uh, his name means to carry or to load. And um, Amos is one of my favorite of the, of the minor prophet books. These little books in the Old Testament, there's 12 of them near the end of the Old Testament. They're not as long as some of the books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, but they are powerful. And we're going through these books because we want, as men, as people of God even, we, we just we want to be able to speak with conviction. We want to be able to stand for truth. And uh, a lot of what we see in the church, especially now, uh, is is Christians wanting to be nice, wanting to be n- not offensive, wanting to be accepting and tolerant of all. And the fact is, that's just not what we see in the Bible. Real love calls things out. Real love, real grace, real mercy actually draws a line in the sand. Because I love you so much, I won't allow you to do these types of behaviors that will harm you and others. And so we we need a little bit of a prophetic edge. And the only way we're going to have that is by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We need both. We need the Holy Spirit and we need the Bible. And uh, that's that's what we want to be the foundation for anything that we're going to call prophetic. Uh, So, Let's just dive in a little bit of a, of a bird's eye view, an overview of this book, this small book called Amos. Um, Amos is unique. This is why I really like this book so much. Amos is unique as a prophet and as a book in the Bible. Amos was not a prophet by vocation. You see, a lot of these Old Testament prophets, this was their job. This was their calling, their ministry. It was their full-time gig. They heard from the Lord they spoke to the people. Uh, they recorded their writings. A lot of them had disciples of their own, and it was what they did. Amos was a shepherd and a farmer. He wasn't a full-time prophet like Isaiah or, or some of these other Jonah, some of these other guys you're going to hear about, even Jeremiah. Uh, Amos was just a shepherd and a farmer. Uh, I don't want to say just, but he was a shepherd and a farmer, and I think that makes him more relatable especially, uh, you know, for those blue-collar, non-academic, non-scholarly type of guys out there, Amos is your guy, okay? Amos worked with his hands. Amos worked out in the fields. Um, He had calloused hands. He had dirt under his fingernails. But this is the deal. He actually lived uh, with a group of other shepherds and farmers in a small town, Um, in the southern kingdom. Some of you might know this. At some point after King Solomon's reign, Israel became two nations. They kind of split. There was a northern kingdom of Israel and a southern kingdom uh, called Judah. And Amos was from the southern kingdom of Judah. Yet his book was directed and his preaching was directed at the northern kingdom. He, uh, as a farmer and as a shepherd, he's living his simple life 
working hard with his own hands. Um, but, but he hears about what's going on up north, right? And so he, um, he comes from the southern kingdom of Judah and delivers his prophecy against the northern kingdom of Israel and some of the surrounding nations. He has prophetic words for them as well. And it leads to some resistance from the very prideful Israelites. This is during a king called Jeroboam. It's during his reign. And the thing you should know about Jeroboam is that he was actually um, quite profitable during his reign. The northern kingdom, it, it was near the end of their existence, but at this particular time, while Amos is prophesying, in a material sense, the, the country's doing pretty well. Um, but the moral decay was just ridiculous. Idolatry, corruption, you name it. Immorality. And so why is Amos so important? Here's this shepherd and farmer from the South who's so fed up. Um, he travels North and gives these words of prophecy. They're not accepted. They're not received well. He travels back South and records his writings. Um, and the, the cool thing about Amos too, I don't know if you'd say cool, but it's unique. The cool, unique thing about Amos is that most prophets will give some prophetic warnings and then they'll give a little bit of hope. But Amos, he saves the little bit of hope for the very end of his book. The whole rest of his book is just warning after warning, critique after critique, hard, challenging word after hard, challenging word almost more than any other book in scripture, the book of Amos holds God's people accountable for their ill treatment of others, their immorality, their idolatry, their neglect of the poor. Repeatedly pointing out the failure of the people to fully embrace God's ideas of, of justice and of righteousness. They were selling off needy people for goods. That's right. I said selling people. They were selling people. <laughs> they were taking advantage of the helpless. They were oppressing the poor. They were worshiping idols. Uh, men were using women immorally. And he goes through all of this in his book of Amos. Drunk on their own comfort and success, apparent success, not in the eyes of God, but maybe in the eyes of themselves. Um, and they're intent on strengthening their own financial position, their own uh, gain, their own comfort, their own convenience. They'd lost the concept of obedience to God and caring for one another. And so Amos comes and rebukes them really harshly because he saw in that country a lifestyle that had totally forgotten God. So, What's the big idea? I mean, when the people in the northern kingdom of Israel are enjoying a brief time of, of unparalleled success, God decides to call a quiet shepherd and farmer to travel from his home in the south and carry a message of judgment and warning. And the people in the north ignore his message. His prophetic words are met with opposition and defiance. In the eyes of ministry today, we would say, oh, Amos was not successful. You know, he didn't, he didn't win converts. He didn't change people's minds. He didn't, you know, build a church, uh, have a successful ministry that grew and grew. Um, so he goes back home to Judah and writes and records his writings. 
However, while the outer lives are gleaming with success, the inner lives of this northern kingdom, they're sinking into a pit of moral decay. Can we relate in our own culture, in our own country today? On the outside, people are comfortable. Everything looks pretty convenient. There are technological advancements, financial advancements. What's the big deal, Amos? Why are you, why are you talking this way? There's arrogance, self-righteousness, materialism, idolatry, and Amos is communicating God's utter disdain for the hypocritical lives of his people. (laughs) And um, his prophecy does conclude with a brief glimpse of restoration. But even that is directed a little bit more toward Judah, the southern kingdom, than it is toward the northern kingdom. In fact, the northern kingdom of Israel would fall to Assyria 40 years, about, about 40 years after Amos. So they obviously didn't listen to him. They didn't repent. There were other prophets too. They didn't listen to many prophets. And they ultimately came to their demise as a nation, as a culture, as a people. So how do we apply this? Um, you know, injustice unrighteousness, these things permeate our world too. And yet as Christians, we often turn a blind eye to those things um, because we're pretty comfortable and because we don't want to risk too much. And maybe even sometimes because we want to give ourselves to the the quote-unquote more important work of ministry, like, like praying or preaching or teaching going to church. But this book of Amos reminds us that these works are unquestionably central to a believer's life. That, that our, our inner belief in our heart should line up with the outer lifestyle that we're portraying. Um, and so that means things like taking care of the least of these. That means things like when you find hints of idolatry in your heart, Giving your attention or your love to something other than God, you eliminate it radically if need be. Amos 5 has a couple of my favorite lines in the book. Uh, Amos 5.21 says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. I cannot stand your assemblies. You see, apparently, these people were still gathering for some form of worship to God, even though they were completely ignoring his commands. And they were living for themselves, their own comfort, their own convenience, their own affluence. Amos 5.24 says, let justice roll like a river. You've probably heard that. I mean, that was, this was one of the central verses of the civil rights movement. Let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Those two words are key in the book of Amos, justice and righteousness. And we see Jesus talk about people who hunger and thirst for righteousness in the Sermon on the Mount. Are you a person who hungers and thirsts for God's righteousness and justice? The prophecy of Amos should simplify the choices in our lives. Um, Amos teaches us that both prayer and 
acts of service are essential to the life of um, the people of God. And uh, God has called Christians to be not only in relationship with Him, but also in relationship with others, to deeply care for one another's needs and to not make our lives just about our own, our own safety, security, comfort, convenience. I'll end this session with a little quote from one of my heroes, Billy Graham. Um, He has this pretty cool quote on the book of Amos. And Billy Graham says this in the Bible, Amos the prophet saw the day of judgment fast approaching for Israel. He warned the people to prepare to meet God. Truth is, the word preparedness should be a key word for everyone. It's strange that we prepare for everything except meeting God. We prepare for marriage. We prepare for a career. We prepare for education. We even prepare for dinner. But we do not prepare to meet God. Even though most Americans see the storm clouds gathering on the horizon, by and large, we are making few preparations to meet God. This is a time for repentance and for faith. It's a time for soul-searching, to see if our anchor holds. So, may you and I, may all of us, like Amos, carry the burden of desiring to see God's righteousness and His justice made known, not only in our lives, but in our nation as well.